Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Phil Mackey. I'm a big fan of yours, man. I'm a big fan. Judd Zolgad. Why can't you be enthusiastic and quirky? Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Happy Christmas, Judd. Happy Christmas, Dave. Happy Christmas, Phil. Happy Christmas, Sam Mitchell. So this is Wiggins. Oh, what have you done? Another year older. A new season just begun And so this is Wiggins You were picked number one Drafted by Cleveland Traded for Kevin Love Andrew Wiggins We're happy you're here we hope you will lead us to the playoffs this year. And so this is Wiggins. He's quick and he's long. The Wolves traded for you. We hope they weren't wrong. And so Andrew Wiggins. We're happy you're here. We hope you will lead us to the playoffs this year. Oh, that last part's where it gets good, man. What are you talking about? There is a there is a brief moment of harmony there. So Andrew Wiggins, that's all harmony. It's just not all good harmony. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the worst part is that song was my idea, and I had no idea how tough that song was. You requested until it. Until you yes. wrote the lyrics for it, and I tried to muddle through it. After like 30 seconds, oh. you could tell that, that it was like, in your minds, this is a mistake, but we have to keep going. <laughs> well, a mistake in the sense of glorious mistake. Like, it was so bad, you realized how great it was. Wait, actually... Uh, after 30 seconds, it's a mistake, but we have to keep going. That's pretty much the Timberwolves and the Tom Thibodeau era at this point, a year and a half in. Oh, wow. It's a horrible thing to say. Especially that after really last night. Is. It's also Judd in college. 
Wow. Well, no, that's ab- well, that's absolutely accurate. We're only 30 on many seconds levels, in. Dave, we on have ma- to keep going. On many levels, David, you're absolutely correct. <laughs> we will we will end the conversation there, but I'm not going to argue with you. Uh, songs by the U-Log, Volume 3, if you will, dare. will drop on Monday. At least song number one from from the, uh, the if, album. If you have the guts. Hey, we have a poll up right now on 1500ESPN. Uh, or the Twitter account, uh, 1500ESPN. Do you enjoy Mackie and Judd's songs by the U-Log? We've received some criticism from people today. And uh, 39% say, yes, keep them coming. Mm-hmm. 32% say, who are Mackie and Judd? <laughs> 22% say, no, please make it go away. And 7% say, I don't know what songs by the U-Log are. And that's your loss. That's not too bad, actually. No, I thought the results I would be far be different. I thought that'd be way more. I don't know who, who yeah. you are, and also I have no idea what your songs are. That's good. It's been 130 games of Tom Thibodeau with the Timberwolves. And as I told you off the top of the show, if you were to craft a list of the things that drove people nuts about him in Chicago, so his bosses, some of his players, the fans, and then you were going to check the boxes, okay, is he still doing those things as a coach or as a person with the Timberwolves? Or did he learn? Did the did the full year sabbatical where he visited the promised and holy land of San Antonio and soaked in information from great coach? Did he learn from that? Mm-hmm. Well, let's go down the list. Running starters into the ground. Check. He's, <laughs> He's doing that. He's yes. doing it maybe more than ever. Yes. Uh, with five starters in the top 40 among most players. Minutes played mm-hmm. NBA players this year. Past two games, three guys off the bench in each. That's it. They were back to back, back to back, and a travel night. Yes, in between. How about a disorganized, chaotic, inefficient isolation offense in the fourth quarter, where it's mostly just one guy dribbling and taking a jump shot from twenty feet as your fourth quarter offense? Yeah, that happened all the time in Chicago with Derrick Rose. Check. It's happening again every single night here in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Jimmy Butler, Andrew Wiggins, or Jeff Teague, no ball movement, and barely any touches for Carl Anthony Towns. Uh, what about this one? Players look like they're mostly soulless, joyless robots out to be controlled by uh, a nagging head coach where mm-hmm. it just doesn't look fun. Mm-hmm. Check. Everybody looks miserable on this Wolves team right now, despite the 46-win pace that they're on right now. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what about the lurking, overbearing, obnoxious mannerisms by Tom Thibodeau on the sideline where he just doesn't sit down even for 30 seconds. He just screams the whole time. Check. It's all the same stuff. Yeah. And, and, and some of the same With stuff, year to worked, learn. it worked in Chicago. Right. But it's, it is very clunky and uncomfortable to watch, even though they're above 500 so far. And I told you this before. I think the most important thing is the guy, the guy, the most important person who looks like he is joyless and having no fun whatsoever, Carl Anthony Towns, who's your superstar. And listen, in a couple of years, not not that far off, he's going to have a very important decision to make about staying here. And I'm sorry, but when he looks like he's having zero fun, and much more importantly, last night scores seven second quarter points. Scores no points in the first, third, or fourth quarters, and takes what? How, how many total shots, you said? Well, six for the game, Okay, three through the first three quarters. Okay. When that's the case. That's fireable. And when that's the case, when we're talking about your superstar player who you should be building around, you are also talking about a player who is not going to say, you know what I'd really like to do? Make a long-term commitment. Now, here's where the real concern comes into me. 
there's no one above Tibbs to come downstairs and talk to him besides Glenn Taylor, who who we think hired Tibbs so he could say, here's the whole thing, here's the car, you just drive. Well, that's that was I mean, the goal, yeah. Yes, and, yeah, and I mean, that's but, what's happening. But Glenn, Glenn Taylor is not a basketball boss. He owns the team. He has done, he did a very poor job for a long time. And I think with the hiring of Flip, going back to that, we thought, okay, he now gets it at least. He's going to turn this operation to a guy that knows basketball and and he's going to duck out enough not to screw things up. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's great with Flip because Flip was good with people and Flip ha- had a good judge on things, handle on things. Now you're to a guy who there has to be real concern, not only in his coaching style, but his, his executive style as well. Because he's not going to tell himself, I got to tone things down. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's, from, from what we've been told, Phil, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of people with the Wolves who can sit him down and talk to him. He basically runs the entire show and thinks that he's right. So this gets to be very, very concerning because are you going to get to the point of, even if you have some success, are you going to get to the point where it's a, a freight train run amok going down the tracks and there's no one to stop it until Town says, I'm off this train. Yeah, that, the, the Towns thing is so compelling here because there's obvious friction between Towns and the coach and or, or Towns and the system that the coach is implementing. There's friction, it looks like, between Towns and Butler and Wiggins. Like Butler, Butler has said bleep you to the rest of the team on the court the last two fourth quarters and has just ball hogged and gone completely, com- just, hey, everyone get out of the way. Isolation, you know, part of that's the coach enabling him. And and he just he wants to raise the level of the other players, but doesn't really know how as much. This is this team needs better leadership from Tom Thibodeau and in some ways Jimmy Butler, but mostly Tom Thibodeau. And on the Carl Anthony Towns front, for him to have three shots through three quarters, unless he had a broken shooting arm and we didn't know about it, and he's out there like and literally can't throw a shot up in the air. Yeah. Towns is. I'm going to give you some context here. So it's not just it's not just last night. It's the whole season. But last night was the culmination. He's one of the most efficient scorers at any position in the NBA. There's a measurement called effective field goal percentage, which adjusts for three point field goals being worth an extra point than twos, right? So it accounts for volume there. If you're decent at shooting three pointers, uh, it's it, your effective field goal percentage will go up. And if you're like Andrew Wiggins and you're not good at shooting either threes or twos, it's going to be way down. Mm -hmm. So Carl Anthony Towns has a better effective field goal percentage. I'm just going to give you a partial list. Then James Harden, Kristaps Porzingis, the Greek freak, Damian Lillard, DeMarcus Cousins, Devin Booker, by far more than Blake Griffin, and Kyrie Irving. And he shoots three times in three quarters. You should be running every single possession through a guy who's that good and efficient offensively. Mm-hmm. Now, I know he's bad at defense and he complains to officials and all those things. But, like, that is coaching 101. Who's your best and most efficient scorer and most dominant player? Mm-hmm. Maybe we should run the ball through him on a regular basis. It's malpractice for him to have three shots through three quarters. And as Jim Pete said... Late in the fourth last night, he took two shots, and basically Jim Pete's point was he's going to take those shots. If he's not getting shots, he's going to four shots. So you either have plays that go through go through him, which would make perfect sense, or he gets to the point where his frustration gets so high, he's just like, bleep it, I'll shoot the ball. Which he can do, 
But that's not the goal here. And there's just the other thing that starts to concern me is this. The way that Butler's approached the last two games leads me to believe that, that his patience is being tried, not by Tibbs as much as his teammates. And that was never the goal here. The goal here was to get Butler from Chicago. So Butler comes here and Butler basically can serve as the guy who tells guys, okay, here's what Tibbs means. We're going to get around this by doing this. I'll go to Tibbs on that. Serves as the conduit. Instead, it's as if now Butler's gone from passing the ball too much and trying to be that guy to mm-hmm. saying, well, you know what? It's it's me and Tibbs. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, that's an enormous problem. If Jimmy Butler decides, you know what? These guys, they don't get it. They don't play like I do. I like how Tibbs wants to play. I like this style. I'm just going to do this by myself. That was never the goal here. I mean, the goal was never to get Butler and just make him the guy. The goal was, hey, be the guy. That's fantastic. But do it in the context of also improving your teammates, especially your superstar, potential superstar teammates. If that doesn't happen, now you're looking at a huge problem. And for I know people are saying, you guys, pump the brakes. They're 14 and 11. They're on pace for 46 wins. First playoff appearance in 14 years. And all those things are true. But if you foreshadow ahead, if, if it looks like it's off the rails and there's no organization and they're just grinding this out joyless and they're doing it with sheer talent. You're not going to get by with your schedule starting in a few weeks here. You get Boston twice, Cleveland twice, Oklahoma City again. Uh, You get Portland a bunch, Mm -hmm. Houston four times, Mm -hmm. Golden State three more times, Mm -hmm. Toronto a couple times. Uh You're not going to be able to play like this against the Houston Rockets. Forget the opponents for a second. Here's my question for you. Currently going like they're going, even when they win games, by the time we get to March, what's this team going going to be like as far as you're playing three guys off your bench right now? Yeah. It, I mean, you're, go- you're going to grind these people just down to nothing. They feel exhausted at the end of games. It looks like they are just mentally weary and or hate each other and or hate the coach. Like, when's the last time you watched? There's a couple instances where maybe toward the end of a game, the bench will blow up and, oh, you know, because they're still playing team basketball. Like, it's their job, and they should get excited when they win. But when you watch the Warriors, and that's the ultimate example of a a great collection and a team that's operating at just, just peak capacity on every level, they look like they're enjoying every single possession. And in, in part because they're winning and they're winning championships. But I think that goes in reverse sometimes, too. If you're really talented and you really enjoy playing with each other and you have chemistry, mm-hmm. then the results sort of follow that, too, as well. So, Dave, what kind of questions do you have for us next? Really good questions. We are going to talk about unlikable teams, and that's actually in relation to the Warriors because they're taking a lot of texts recently. Yeah, Durant keeps getting tossed. Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd are back. Show me what you got. On 1500. ESPN. Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. David Harrigan, Esquire, has questions for us. That is not my proper title. I'm sorry. I did not. Congratulations. I'm really in school for that. Mm -hmm. One time I wanted to be a lawyer. Didn't work out. Oh, really? Yeah, I realized there's a lot of rating involved, a lot of studying. Did you go to school to be a, did you go to law school? No, no, but uh, as a youngster, I said, being a lawyer would be great. I'm going to Harvard Law. You watch Liar Liar and you're like, I want to be like Jim Carrey. Yeah, that's probably when I grew yeah. up. The Claw. Yeah. <laughs> the stepdad. Yes. It's the Claw. Ew. Like the one finger. That, that's dumb. <laughs> 
Stop it, stepdad. Stop it. Uh, questions today is uh, sponsored by Robert W. Baird and Company. All right, we uh, touched on it just as the uh, as I was teasing this. Golden State Warriors. A lot of people have been sick of them for a year or two now just because they've been running the NBA, winning everything. It's not even close. Now, this year, they seem to be having trouble getting into trouble with the referees. This was Steve Kerr yesterday. We're not composed out there. We're a championship team, you know. Um, we got to be poised and we've got to execute out there. We're getting way too emotional. Um, myself included, you know, I've got to do a better job of that too, but we've got to show some some poise when things aren't going our way and stop worrying about everything else and just worry about the game. Three technicals yesterday, two to Durant. He was kicked out of the game for the second time in three games. I was thinking driving in this morning, are they the most unlikable just group of people right now just because of the winning? Frankly, they're not all awful people, but just as far as teams on the field, court, ice, whatever, who is the most unlikable team in sports today? Oh, I think it's the wild easily for me. <laughs> I mean, it's not even close. They're far too milk toast. Give me a better answer yeah. than that. I think it, it's, it's the not, Wolves. It's, yeah. not, it's not Golden State. You know what? Golden State, Durant annoys me somewhat, but as a collection they don't they don't qualify for me they wouldn't be my most um, i don't mean i i don't look at golden state and like think oh, i hate them who i hate i th- i th- i think you root for teams to to uh knock them off their throne but i would say the cincinnati bengals and it might be recency bias cuz we just saw it in effect last night but just the the amount of chaos with that organization and the fact that marvin lewis Having not won a playoff game in 15 years is still their head coach. Unlikable to me. I would put the Bengals pretty high on that list. Yeah, I'm trying to think because it wouldn't. The Yankees are no longer on that list. The Yankees are I upstart bunch of. I and I don't hate teams because they're good. Like that's not. I, I've never gotten that whole thing. I I hate the Patriots because they're. Well, okay, but. You hate them because of that? Now you're jealous. Yes, you're jealous. You're envious. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't make me... I'm trying to think of teams I actually despise because it's a group of people that as a collection just suck. Um, <laughs> That's why you went right to the wild, right? Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'm i telling you right now, they drive me crazy. They drive Boots crazy. crazy. They drove Yozy crazy. They drive me crazy. As a collection... They, they, they always, there's excuses. There's what, what, here's, here's what makes a team hateable to me. When they've got a potential that they can reach and they only will do it on occasion. Like if you're the Patriots, good for you. If you're Golden State, good for you. You go out and reach your potential on a consistent basis. You can be jealous of that, but you shouldn't hate that. But what I hate is when you put together a collection, you say, well, this team should be pretty. I mean, the wild this year is probably not a great example, but the last couple of years, that's a collection of guys who you're like, okay, there's really something there on Thursday night, so let's see it Saturday. That drives me crazy. That's hateable to me. Go for hockey. I mean, fits that definition, don't they? That they've no national championship since 02, despite yeah, I don't know countless yeah, NHL caliber players. I don't know if I'm I'm willing to pick on a college team that that much, but they can oh, be sure frustrating. You you're not a, you're not you better pick, than that. You spent sure years picking pick on, on college quarterbacks on this show. Oh, Mitch Light. Did I see that Mitch Leitner was getting a tryout somewhere? Or he was going to be signed. I thought Doogie reported something. Yeah, yesterday. he he was trying out with. What's he doing? Was it Denver? I think, I think? it was Denver. Huh? Denver. Yeah. You know that bite squad job's not going to be there forever. <laughs> you know it's possible that Elway's got an eye for QBs. Is it possible Colin Kaepernick changed his phone number and teams have been trying? to reach him, but he just forgot to notify everyone. 
I, I don't know. Colin's not answering. Let's go to Mitch Leidner. See if he's available to work out. Can you imagine you're in that Denver quarterback room, whether you're Simeon, Osweiler, Paxton Lynch, and Elway walks in, hey, just called Mitch. He's coming to join us. But here's Are the you thing. bleeping kidding me? But, no, I'm not bleeping kidding you. But you wouldn't have that reaction if you're outside of gopher football sphere because you've never, you probably haven't watched enough gopher football. And when Mitch Leidner walks into a room, he looks like an NFL quarterback. He's like six foot five. And then he's he two, 220 pounds. <laughs> right. But if, if he just walked into the room with, you know, some athletic gear on, he'd say, oh, who's this guy? Well, this guy looks like an NFL quarterback. And then Dave's right. He'd hit the practice field, and you'd be like, bite squad time, guy. Hey, can I get a pizza? All right. SA, SI has named their sports person of the year, and it's a dual winner this year. It's J.J. Watt and Jose Altuve winning the World Series, uh, helping out the city of Houston a great deal after the hurricane. So let's bring it local, boys. If we had to name a local sports person or persons of the year, give me a name. Philip? Uh, it's an instant name. Well, two names came to my head. Case Keenum came to my head, but then I moved off that one, all due respect. Cheryl Reeve, after winning another WNBA championship as a coach in WNBA history, so 20 years of WNBA history, has... The most titles, has by 10 playoff wins, the most playoff wins, and now also has the best regular season winning percentage in the history of WNBA coaches. And it's the only team that wins championships in this town. It's been 26 years since one of the major men's uh, teams in this town has won one. And the Lynx give us a championship about once every other year since Cheryl Reeve arrived. So Cheryl Reeve, kind of a career achievement Sports person of the year in Minnesota. I thought of the same one, and then I thought, well, if if I've been doing this for like five years, she should have won it at least once before. So I'm going to give it to a new duo in town. I'm going to split it. Derek Falvey, Thad Levine. I'm going to take two guys who took a hundred for hundred doubting their team at the trade deadline and trading away the best reliever. I'm taking no. Look at you. I'm taking a hundred three loss team from last year with uh with. A situation, manager wasn't fired, they took him on, you looked at that team and said, okay, if they they lose 90, 90 games, it's going to be a good year, and they went to the playoffs. So I'm going to give them, and plus, plus a story on them would involve the Twins' new thinking, which is astounding how much things have changed there. I mean, they're actually becoming up-to-date as a baseball team, Eureka, it's unbelievable. So, so... I'm going to assume that during the course of this award, I've given it to Cheryl Reeve before, so I'm going to give it to Falvey and Levine. All right. Oh, you might as well give it to Rachel Phelps, the owner in the uh, Major League movie. Just actively trying to sabotage the team all season long. Look at you. Trade away Brandon Kinsler like that. Yeah, I'm, just, I'm with you. I agree. Just terrible. Just giving you that. Terrible. All right, let's ask the question about the Vikings. Talking about the uh, 2017 team versus the 98 team. Players you'd take from one team, put it on the other team as we started with John Randa. But let's say the teams are as they are, and we have a breakthrough in time travel technology where the 1998 team in their 98 prime could go against this Vikings team. Neutral field, boys. What's the betting line? Uh, go ahead, Judd. The nine, um, the betting line on that game would be the '98 team would be favored by I think three points. So the the '98 team, I think, given their offensive explosiveness, would be favored. Now, are are you also asking what the result would be, or just sure? What the yeah, line would give be? me what you think would because happen. because I think this team, I actually think this team would win that game. 
The 17 team. The 17 team, yes. I think based on the fact that this defense is that good, if you do all of this, if you transport through time, this means Zim gets time to come up with a game plan to slow Moss. It also means Cunningham pees down his pant leg again (laughs) during the course of this important game. I think Vegas would favor the 98 team. I would personally think that the 17 team would win a close and potentially very ugly on purpose game. At first, I grimaced because I thought you were going to make and, and build a point for the or build a case for the '98 team to beat this team. I'm with you. This team beats the '98 team, but the Vegas line might get tricky because they're trying to find that little sweet spot where they can get enough money. You know, I would say the public perception would be, "Oh my God, offense and flash and moss and bells and whistles." A lot like that Super Bowl from a few years ago where the Seahawks played the Broncos. Absolutely. And I don't remember what the line was on that. I think the Broncos may have been favored slightly in that game because flashy Peyton Manning touchdown record and Demarius Thomas and, well, the Seahawks just punched them in the mouth and took away their entire passing game and made life hell for Peyton Manning all night. So Mm -hmm. I think with, with what this team has done with star receivers, Julio Jones, two catches, did nothing in that game this last weekend. Odell Beckham Jr., they'd find a way to shut down Randy Moss. There'd still be some catches out there for Chris Carter, Jake Reed, but this defense would shut down that Vikings passing game more than almost anyone did the entire season. Cunningham would get really flustered. And, yes, and that Vikings defense in 98 wouldn't be good enough to hold up enough. Right. It would be like a... God, that's a really fun... This is. I wish we could make this happen. It's, It's a really fun question. I think the final score would be something like... 24, 23 or 24 to 16, something like that, where the the 98 team would have a really hard time scoring more than two touchdowns and a couple field goals. Agreed. Yeah. Can I submit that 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 matchup would actually be something that would be um, akin to Rams-Patriots the first time? Mm Mm-hmm. Because that Rams Rams team, we all thought, oh, my God, this Patriots team is going to get blown away. And they surprised them. And and that's Brady pre what, what we've come to know. So I think that there, if you matched ninety eight against seventeen for the Vikings, I think it would be somewhat like that Rams Patriots Super Bowl. Yeah, that's fun. We should expand on that. Well, we, we're going to get Wetmore in here to uh, deliver some tw- some bad Twins hot stove news, and then we'll speculate on what they might do now that they've been given that bad news. But let's we should get back to that that question tomorrow. That's good stuff. Get some feedback from people. Mackie and Judd, another half hour. Derek Wetmore with Twins Hot Stove next. Phil Mackie, Judd Zogad. So behind that peaceful countenance, there's, evil lurks. There's, 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 evil uh, lurks. They're up to no good. Not huh? only they're peaceful, Patrick, but they're really, really stupid. Uh, there was <laughs> Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Snow on the ground, but the hot stove is underneath it, so it should melt soon if you're a baseball fan. Uh, with all these rumors and things floating around, actually, it's going to be a long, cold winter regardless. I was going to say, what are you talking about? Yeah. It's freezing cold outside, and we're all bleak for the next three months. Uh, Derek Wetmore is here from the Touch em All Twins podcast. You can find our Twins conversations anywhere you would subscribe to podcasts or 1500ESPN.com, the mobile app. Um, some bad news was delivered to basically every team in baseball, not on the West Coast and or spring training in Arizona. Shohei Otani has narrowed his list down to he's the Japanese Babe Ruth who can throw 100 miles an hour and who can hit for power, wants to do both. Uh, so the Twins were checked off of his list, and 23 other teams were as well. And it's mostly it's like San Diego, it's, it's L.A., Seattle, and then the Cubs and the Rangers are the only non-West Coast teams 
But they have spring training in Arizona, so the Twins can move on, right? It's disappointing, but you have to move on. The the Twins, I think, thought they were in the sweepstakes, and it would have been a big ad for them. But there's a couple other things that I think they can do with that money now, and their their offseason's no longer going to be tied up by the pursuit of Otani. Now, I think if you're the Twins, you just turn the page and you hit it like it's any normal offseason because this was a unique part that you had to pay a lot of attention to. Now it's time to get down to business. Where does this pool of cash now go to? Do you uh, hold it? Well, do you go out and spend it now on other players? How how do you go about approaching this? So the Twins have a little bit more than three million dollars. I think there's two things that they could do with it. Okay. The first, and this might be what I'd recommend, is there's seven teams that are still in on Otani. Some of them are probably going to need a little bit of extra signing bonus money now. Keep in mind, it's not that you're trading them $3 million or whatever. It's you're trading them the ability to spend that $3 million. So if you're the Padres and you're in the Otani sweepstakes, but you don't have the money that the other teams do, you could send a prospect to the Twins for a couple million bucks of international Hmm. spending money. That's probably what I'd do if I was Minnesota right now. I'd call the seven teams and I'd say, who needs some extra space to spend on this guy? You're moving on to the next round. Congratulations. Now trade for our money. We'll take your prospects. And then that deal could be, because it's too risky to make that deal if you're one of those teams without an assurance that Otani's coming to your team. So I, I would think that if you could put a contingency in there, you get a better prospect. Say, hey, if this player $2 million dollars helps you land Otani, then we get you know a better player than sure. if you were to just take a shot and yeah. hope that the money led to Otani. You, you could potentially do that. I think if you're one of those seven teams, you can't really risk it. you got to get ahead of this thing. Um which will lead to my second point here, but I, I think that if you're one of those teams, go be proactive, call the other teams with a lot of money. That would be the Twins and the Yankees, by the way. Both have more than $3 bucks. I'd start sending prospects their way to get some of that cash. The other thing that you could do with the money if you're the Twins, remember uh, Major League Baseball just punished the Atlanta Braves, made them release a bunch of international free agents that they'd signed in last year's class. Those guys are now free to sign. Starting today, today's the first day that they're allowed to sign. In fact, I just saw a note on Twitter from Buster Olney that the guy who was considered the top player in that class at the time of signing, uh, Kevin uh, Maiton, the former Braves prospect, big name when he was signed. He signed like a $4.25 million signing bonus. He was now a free agent, but the Angels just scooped him up. So they're already being opportunistic with some of these players that are out there. That's the second thing that the Twins could do with that money. Don't just let it go to waste. Don't just say, oh, well, we missed on Otani. Now we won't spend that $3 bucks." Right. There are some free agents out there that you could still go conceivably get, add some good prospects to your system with that leftover money. As far as the pursuit of players now, what's your assessment of where the Twins start? And does it start on Sunday? Is that correct when they arrive in Florida? That's right. At the winter meetings? December 10th to the 14th are right. going to be the meetings. So, so your sense of where they start is where? Starting pitching, bullpen? I, I would guess it's pitching. It's pitching, 100%. It's not I'd focus on starters. You need to get both. If you go through this winter without adding a starting pitcher and at least one late-inning reliever, I think you've failed in your off-season duties. But I think that the conversation is a little more complicated than going to figure out which is my favorite free agent out there. I think you should actually have been making these calls. I'm sure they have. Trade calls. Because I'm personally a lot more curious to know what would the price of prospects be to get a guy like Brad Hand from the Padres or, you know, Alex Colomay, Ray Iglesias, they've called on. I'd be 
pretty curious to know what the price tag is on those guys mm-hmm. because they're going to be cost controlled. You're not going to give them a four year, $60 million deal or something like that, which Wade Davis might command on the free agent market. So eventually you do have to go call free agents. My first phone calls are to teams and wondering about cost controlled players that I can trade for. That's the, that's the trade off you're going to have to figure out too. Cause in general, I'd rather, if I have money to spend, I'd rather spend money or, or trade money for, a top arm or a starter, whatever that is, sure. than Nick Gordon or whatever prospect. Uh, but if I could get then, if I'm going to trade Nick Gordon or a top prospect, I need multiple years of a really good player. Yep. Uh, I'm not trading a star young shortstop for a reliever. I would trade him for an in his prime starter if I could get at least two years, maybe three, out of a Chris Archer or somebody like that. I'd love to know, be a fly on the wall. Are the Twins talking with teams like the Rays about a Chris Archer? Or is it solely the Alex Cobbs? You uh, Darvish is another one. I, th- I if I had to guess, I would say they won't sign you Darvish, but it doesn't shock me that they're in the mix for him. Uh, the unknown factor here, and the unpredictability of what this front office tandem is interested in doing, sure. is so compelling here how in the next two or three they, weeks. How much are the, these two guys that we don't know very much about? Mm-hmm. How much are they willing to push their chips on the table? Right, that's going to be really fascinating to see for a mid market team. I think your point is dead on, Phil, about preferring to trade money because you think about it this way it's going to get a little nerdy game theory you're a business and you have a limited number of this widget this widget being prospects then you have theoretically a, a basically unlimited supply of this other thing over here money you could pump that in without any sort of limitation that's why free agency is the avenue that you see a lot of teams going but the trend we've started to see in recent years is now teams are starting to back off of big money free agents. They're starting to think, boy, do I really want to pay that, you know, that CC Sabathia contract we're on the back end, Albert Pujols contract we're on the back end. I'm just hoping he can walk down to first base. Yeah, there's been way too many crappy contracts in the last 10 years as revenues have gone up, as money has gone up. If you were to if you were to look at all of the 10 plus million dollar per year contracts doled out since whatever, 2007 or something, last 10 years. Yeah. I would say more than 50% teams would rather have back. As you bump that up, that dollar figure from $10 million to $20 million, it gets even worse. You're looking at contracts for guys who were superstars that by the end of those contracts certainly are not. Now, teams are factoring that in, but I do think one of the reasons we're not seeing very much action early in the hot stove season this year. Almost zero. Basically none. We've seen right? a couple guys sign. Now it'll start to move a little sure. bit here. Now teams are out on Otani. There's maybe a little more clarity on John Carlos Stanton. What's going to happen there? As you start to see one and two moves made, you might see 10 and 20. I really do think these next two weeks are going to be a flurry of activity in baseball. But it's starting late. And I think it's because a lot of teams are wary of that big contract saying, ah, we don't really want to get burned. We'd rather go deal shopping maybe a little bit later, maybe after Black Friday and into the winter meetings. If they move players, who who is your guess? Gordon, where, where do you where do you start as far as making realistic offers of uh, of players from your end that could be dealt I'm personally, I feel like the Twins are a little too early to start trading some of their prospects. I I think once you're on the cusp of the World Series, you start to move those players. But I think a lot of people want to see the Twins move prospects. I just don't think they're there yet. I think once you have a team that's ready to pop for the World Series, that's when you don't care about the guy. What's he going to contribute six years down the road? I don't care about that. We can win this year's World Series. That's when you go trade for a Justin Verlander, a Hugh Darvish. 
something like that. I'm not sure that the Twins are in that boat yet. Uh, to use the Astros comparison, Phil, you and I have talked about this in the past on the Touch Em All podcast. A couple of years ago, you might have wanted to trade Alex Bregman to go get some starting help or some relief help patch your pitching staff. Well, you hang on to him, and he becomes a star player that helps you win a World Series. I think it's possible the Twins are in that early stage Astros timeline right now. So I don't think you trade Nick Gordon. I don't think you trade Steven Gonsalves. I don't think you trade Fernando Romero. Certainly, I don't think you're trading Jose Barreos, Miguel Sano, Byron Buxton, those kinds of guys. Those are the people around which you should be building if you're the Twins. Would I trade a fringe guy? Maybe someone that I have questions about? It's Eddie Rosario or Max Kepler or Jorge Polanco? I mean, I'd at least listen, but I don't think that if you're the Twins, you're going out there making calls on your good young players who just got to the big leagues and saying, he'd be available. What could we get for him? Okay, let me... Let me throw a scenario then at you guys. Who says no? Who says no? Who says no? We should play this every day. The who says no game. It'll be very dangerous by about a weekend. <laughs> 1500 ESPN <laughs> reporting that such and such. That's probably not not a good game to play in this current climate in entertainment, oh, right? See. It's a bad game. Yeah. I didn't um, get that. Yeah. Uh, who says no? Mackie, 32. Kevin. Miguel Sano to the Rays for Chris Archer. So Miguel Sano has like four years of team control left, I believe. And Chris Archer has four years under contract left. He's 28 years old, going to be 29. He makes $34 million over the next four years if you include the team options for 2020 and 21. I'd say no if I was the Twins. Wow. If I'm the Twins? I say yes in a heartbeat if I'm the Twins. If I'm the Twins, I take that deal and I send the Rays a Christmas card with it. <laughs> I would jump at that deal. That's a I violation of uh, MLB policy. It Judd, probably is, and then I'll be stripped the of all my prospects, <laughs> and I'll be fired and banned from baseball for life. Here's my rationale. I-, I love Chris Archer. I think they should be on the horn trying to land him in some kind of a crazy trade. That, that would be a lot of fun as well, an that, analyst of this team. That's how you'd land him. You'd okay. offer up one of your best <laughs> position players. Right. But pitchers, higher yeah. risk, volatility with injury. How many of Good those years? Good thing Miguel Sano is reliable in that department. Fair right. enough. Come on, a, bring your arguments. What more? A I got? fair contention. <laughs> but that's why this makes sense. A fair contention. Miguel Sano is going to be cheaper, and position players have higher upside in terms of the wins above replacement they could give you over the length of that contract. I would be willing to... Side on the safer play, in my opinion, which is potential star third baseman over, yes, a very, very well, good top wait, end pitcher. But wait, but but knowing what you know about him, aren't you tempted? Like if this For is sure, Bu- I'm tempted. Right, right. But if this is Buxton, I say no because I think Buxton's going to be a superstar. And, and yes, he's got his flaws, but I'm pretty sure I, I know what those flaws are, and they can be worked on. Miguel Sano scares me. Okay, real quick, another question here: percentage chance? Because we know that there's. There's some rumblings that Miguel Sano has, he's he's maybe not taking things as seriously in terms of health, weight, whatever it is. Uh, you know, Rock Nation is in his life now. Percentage chance the Twins trade Miguel Sano within the next two years. Well, you know me. Non-zero guy. Yeah, he's the non-zero chance. I think but... it's at least 20%. Really? Because right. you're going to have to make a decision. You either trade him or you have to think about signing him for like $20 million a year on a huge contract. I think it's higher And than that's that. not an option I would entertain at all right now. I think it's higher than that. Higher I, than 20%? Higher I than think 20% it's lower. based on this. These guys are going to these guys are going to make a decision on him I think pretty quickly here 
And if that decision is we can't rely on him, as Phil just said, they're never going to sign him, and and they're going to be smart enough to try and leverage him while while they still can. This is the type of guy who's going to reach if he if he continues down this path, he's going to reach that time where teams are like, oh well, we'll take him, but boy, right now the but I don't think exists yet. I think you guys I are too down on Miguel Sano, and I think this is a. Uh... A very premature conversation because I think you can say there it's are a question premature marks. evaluation. What? I'll just continue on. Never mind. Continue on. I'm not no, comfortable. I, I got it. I got Judd it. Judd gets it because he's in the gutter right with me right now. Me. Continue yeah, on. Yeah. Yes. I, I came into a sports talk radio studio, so I should have been expecting that. It's a four-hour show. We speculate a lot. I do think that having a guy like Miguel Sano, you can nitpick and you can say, yeah, well, he strikes out a lot. Yeah. Boy, I'm concerned about the waiter. Yeah, he fouled the ball off his shin and missed the rest of the season. All of those things are fair question marks, and I think that they should be red flags. The yeah, but for me is there are not very many guys that can do what he can do in a batter's box. Strike out 200 times in a season. I agree. There's Hit only like six or seven in baseball. <laughs> Let's to be continued on this. Okay, that'd there's be a, a lot of offseason left, and we'll do this on the Touch 'Em All Twins podcast. Derek Wetmore. From 1500ESPN.com, it's Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. I think all the pieces are there. On 1500 ESPN. 1500 ESPN, visit St. Paul, the city of St. Paul, and Wells Fargo invite you to experience Wells Fargo Winter Skate, a free outdoor, artificially chilled ice skating rink in downtown St. Paul at Rice Park. It's open seven days a week. Located right in the heart of the city, Winterskate creates a fun winter experience for visitors of all ages. More details can be found at 1500ESPN.com. Keyword events. All right, we got a couple minutes left here. I just threw this out on, on the Twitter sphere just for fun. Who says no? Twins trade Miguel Sano to raise for Chris Archer. You and I both do it in a heartbeat. I do it, yes. Wetmore disagrees, and I respect his opinion on this. Because he's looking at what Miguel Sano could be, mm-hmm. and and the fact that he, you know, he's cost controlled through 2021. Mm-hmm. So here's the tale of the tape: Chris Archer, who's 28, going to be 29. Miguel Sano is mid 20s, like 24, somewhere in there. Okay. So obviously, Miguel Sano has there's still some ceiling left there. Chris Archer is really good. I wouldn't say he's he's not like you know Clayton Kershaw good by any means, but. He's very good. He would be your number one starter. Yes, he would ascend to the top of your rotation, no question. $34 million left over four years for Chris Archer, and there are trade rumors swirling about him. Uh Miguel Sano is eligible for free agency also after four more years. So you're talking four years of both. Archer probably a little more expensive, but also relatively cheap compared to his production. Uh I'll take the shirt. The only thing that you wonder is is elbow injuries with with pitchers, but it's like Miguel Sano has been a beacon of health, right? So, I unless you told me Miguel Sano was going to instantly get healthy, stay healthy, and stay at third base and cut down on the strikeouts and raise that batting average and on base percentage. There's so many ifs there. There's so many ifs, and and the thing too is, as I said before. You're going to have to make a decision here pretty soon. Is is he going to reach his potential and become a superstar player? Or is he going to be a very nice player who hits lots of home runs, but ultimately, if we want to maximize, if we want to make that type of trade, mm-hmm. it's going to be now. It's going to be very soon. Like that trade, there, there's going to come a point, if Sano gets another chance and gets fat again and, and gets hurt, you're now going to reach a point where teams are going to be like, you know what, no. 
no, we'll trade for him, but you're not going to get a top-notch pitcher. You're not the the amount of time that we can have a discussion that's realistic about a pitcher like this coming to the Twins for him has maybe a year left. But if you get to next winter and it's the same story and he's ballooned up to 300 pounds again, teams are going to be like, "I'll give we'll yeah. give you something for him, but we're not going to give you an ace quality pitcher." The thing about trading him now is I know that you have four years to make this decision, but you really don't because That's my point, yes, right. You and I you agree don't. on this because at some point you're going to have to decide if he's a twenty million dollar a year player, mm-hmm. and if you decide too late, you don't get anything for him. But if your window to win is right now, and you can get like Chris Archer for him, it's just it's a hypothetical. Well, it's, pitch, it's pitching too; it's very seductive. It is. Uh, That's the end of our radio broadcast for today. Tomorrow we're going to come back. You can find our on-demand content, including John Randall. Second hour of today's on-demand slash podcast. Mackie and Judd show page, iTunes, 1500ESPN.com. We'll see you tomorrow. This holiday season, Peloton's got a gift for you. Get up to $200 off accessories with the purchase of a Peloton bike, Bike Plus, or Tread. And take your workout to the next level with accessories like non-slip grip dumbbells, a heart rate monitor, cycling shoes, and more. Peloton, motivation that moves you. This limited time offer ends December 25th. Visit OnePeloton.com to learn more. All access membership separate. Offer ends December 25th. Cannot be combined with other offers. See additional terms at OnePeloton.com.